Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad to see you here. This is now our second Sunday back in Rio Norte, and uh, I, am, I am very excited to be here. It's, um, like I, I had mentioned last week, this is a place we, we, I wanted to be, we have been once, we left, and now we're back. <laughs> and so, and I really appreciate all the help that you all have been providing in getting us to this spot. Um, I have a lot of gratitude for we have a we have a, actually a really strong core of members and people that are committed to Valley Lights and committed to making the mission of our church and really the, the assignment that God has given us. There's many of you that are really invested in making that happen. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, you can the evidence of that is the fact that you've moved with us. <laughs> so we, we went to a new location and then you showed up in the new spot. And it's a different part of town, and that's, that's been consistent as we've moved around. Uh, you have moved with us, and so I, I really do appreciate the investment. Last week was exciting. Here's a few photos of us getting ready. This was our first uh, prayer on the property as we were getting ready to unload the trailer for the first Sunday. Um, it's been cold, it's, and actually it's still cold. I'm having trouble warming up currently, so I'm wearing my jacket still. But yeah, we, we gathered together. This was last week, another photo, just starting to unload the trailer. Maybe you're here this morning helping us with that. And uh, in addition to these ways of helping out, yesterday we had a big project yesterday at our previous location where we got, uh, we had to evacuate, get all the furniture and fixtures down and, and sell things and move things out. And, and so it's been a, there's been a handful of projects that have been required for us to, to get here. And, and in addition to that, we actually, there's, some of you are helping out for the first time. And so you've decided to be a part of volunteering on one of our teams because you know that there's a need. And that was really exciting for me last week. A handful of new volunteers were stepping up to be a part. So if, if you're interested in helping Valley Lights Church be successful in the next season, there's a few things that you can do. And so you might be wondering, like, what, 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 what can I do? How can I help out? There's four different ways that you can help out. One is to pray. And I'd love if, if, is, if you'd be willing to put some sort of recurring reminder to pray for our grand reopening on February 5th. Those two Sundays away from now. In particular, that, you know, the seven days leading up to February 5th. You could even put a reminder on your phone there as well. I'll, I, about once a week, I come up to this area and I'll either work out of the coffee shop or sometimes more than that. But I'll, I like to prayer walk this whole neighborhood, or just the, really this block. You could do this block in about 10 or 15 minutes, and so that's something that you'd want to do too. There, I think there would be a lot of uh, benefit in us uh, covering this place in prayer and praying for the... Actually, when I walk around, usually, it, you know, if it happens to be during the day, then there's kids on, you know, there's a lot of junior high kids running around, and so I pray for those students. I pray for the faculty that's here. I pray for all these people in all these homes around here. Pray for the city officials that are overseeing this area and just asking for God's help and his favor and opportunities for us to share Christ with people. So prayer is certainly a really big way you could join with us in, in preparing the ground and preparing you know, hearts to receive the message of the gospel. Another way that you can help out is by inviting. And so that grand reopening that we're doing on February 5th, ask yourself for a second, who can I invite? Who do I know? Who's, who's my neighbor? Who's a family member? Who's somebody that maybe just the sound of a grand reopening and some portos is just enough to kind of, hey, maybe I'll try that out. Who, who, who do you think you can invite to be a part? That's actually a very significant way that you can help us in our mission. 
A third thing you can do is to be outgoing. So is anybody naturally outgoing here? Anybody in the room? They got one maybe, so-so. <laughs> yeah, we know you are. Uh, so anybody, I guess if you're not naturally outgoing, you can just you know, do one of these. <laughs> um, even if you're not outgoing, you can choose to be. And you can, if, if we have people, there's people in this room that you don't know all right now or after service or especially when we start getting guests in February, you can just decide, all right, for the next five minutes, I'm just gonna choose to be outgoing. I'm gonna put that on. And um, when you do that, if you approach and actually take the step forward to people, because sometimes if you're not the outgoing person, you kind of wait for people to talk to you. If you actually take the step forward and approach people with warmth and friendliness, that has a huge impact on what we're able to do here. Because sometimes it just takes one positive interaction or conversation and somebody says, yeah, I feel like I could belong here. And you could actually help us with that. And then a fourth way is to volunteer. Most of you are, many of you are volunteering already, but uh, if you're not, or if it's been spotty, you could make a fresh commitment to a Sunday morning team. And so we've got our, our hospitality team, our kids ministry, our worship team, sight and sound, and a variety of ways that you can help out. And if we, ha if we have some people that decided to help out m on a monthly rotation, that would provide really the resources, the people resources that we need to pull this off. And so you could, that, that's just another way. So one of, you could do one, two, or three, or four of these ways of helping us um, really advance over the next few months. So one, uh, one, I'll give you another quick update. Last week when we were here, every, if, if, you, if you missed last week, our first Sunday here actually was surprisingly smooth. I, I, it went really, really well. It was exciting uh, gathering here, and there was, there was such a, there was an energy in our volunteers, a can-do spirit and attitude. The only downer was when I parked the trailer over there, I, I hit one of the parking structures. <laughs> and so, so the top of the trailer ripped, and I had mentioned that in service. And the update is I should be getting a quote tomorrow for how much uh, that'll, that'll cost. We'll, we'll, I'll take the next step after I get the quote. Uh, but when I talked to the, the head custodian here this week, he said, you have no idea how many buses and trailers and trucks have hit those things because they're, they're exceptionally low, which, you know, I'm trying to make it sound better for myself, the fact that I had But uh, I'm like, well, I'm at least glad to know that. I'm not the only one that's hit those things, so. So my goal is, um, one, one, of the, one of our goals for this next few months, as you can see by some of these things, is our goal is really, I'd really love to see if the Lord would bless us with growth numerically so that we could reach more people that are disconnected from God, disconnected from church. There are, there are hundreds of thousands of people in this city that are totally disconnected, not walking with God at all. And if you don't know Christ, your life generally has a much greater degree of pain and confusion than people who follow Christ. And sometimes that pain and that confusion leads people to him. And we want to be available and we want to be the place where people can find Jesus and learn to walk with him. So I'm really praying that God allows us to grow in our ability to reach people. And all the good things that have happened in our church already. So if you're here and your life has been changed in any way, or if you have been one of the people that have, you've come to Christ and you've been baptized, that's happened because God orchestrated it. It's not because we're super strategic and we're, um, 
you know, the, the best of what we do. It's really because God is the one working and, and orienting us and directing our steps. And so praise God for that. So I want to walk through a passage of the Bible today. We, through the month of January, we're looking at the book of Colossians. It's a four-chapter book, and so four Sundays in a row, we're, we're looking through this letter. And so today we're on Colossians chapter 3. And so if you have your Bible with you, you can, you can open there. Um, all the, the scripture is going to be on the screen as well. But uh, this, this letter is really all about how to grow spiritually. That's one of the things that it's about. It's, uh, and really for us to, to grow deep roots in Jesus Christ and to keep growing, is, it's a lifelong process. And um, so today we're in chapter 3, and we're going to look at a passage that's mostly— there, this, this third chapter has a lot to do with clothing. You might be surprised. It's about your wardrobe, what you wear. <laughs> and fashion, when it comes to clothing and fashion, what you wear, and I've got some of your attention already, right? <laughs> when it comes to fashion, fashion is a very fickle part of life. It seems, it's just constantly changing. I feel like I just give up. I'm like, I, I want to be trendy, but I'm like, I just want to be comfortable. And um, actually, the pants that I have right now, I think I have six of these. Um, a couple of them in black, one in gray. Because like once I found a pair, I'm like, Aaron, just buy Actually, I don't, I don't even find them. She, she finds them for me, and I'm grateful for that. Cause, um, so fashion, I don't, I don't invest a lot of my energy into that. But uh, if, you look, if you look how fashion has changed, here's just a picture. You know, over, over the decades, actually, this is, uh, I think the first date on there is 1960. And so this is just women's fashion over the centuries. It kind of looks like the, the women are getting smaller, but I think the women are all the same size. It's just the size of the dress <laughs> that changes. And it's really poofy, there's ruffles, and then they add different things. And, you know, this just changes. I mean, if you wore something that was really popular 200 years ago, you would be a weirdo, probably. It just, it changes so much. And styles, and even if you look at from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to now, it just, it changes so much. And it gets very expensive to stay in style. The, and we're, I mentioned this because in, in this letter, you'll, you'll see that we're instructed to change our clothes, in a way, so to speak. We're, we're supposed to change what we're wearing. And, and so we're, we're going to get to that. Chapters 1 and 2, what we've looked at already, it lays out what God has accomplished in sending Jesus to earth and how this really affects our identity. But these next two chapters we're going to look at, they get really practical, really personal, about how we live our everyday life. And life in Christ brings a lot of change. And so if you were with us the past two Sundays, we really talked about how Jesus is the only thing we need. Christ is supreme in all things. And in fact, the, one of the key takeaways from, from chapter two is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We don't, need any, we don't need to add anything to Jesus. So when we get to chapter three, and it's like we're going to look at some things that, we're, that we ought to do as Christians, you're like, wait a second, what? I, I thought it was, all I need is Jesus and that's it. Why do I need to do anything? In fact, some of you are in discipleship groups that we have, real focused on, on learning how to live out the Christian life and read your Bible, learn how to develop spiritual disciplines. And, in, and there's actually, in the discipleship groups, there's a lot of boxes to check, <laughs> things, assignments to complete, and ways to grow. And you may think, why am, I, why am I checking all these boxes in the Christian life? Well, when it comes to bridging the gap between sinful humanity and a holy God, it, true, it truly is. There, there, we have no power to save ourselves. God did all that was lacking on our part, and we receive salvation 
through faith in Christ alone. So that, that for sure is an immutable truth. But we, we see in this letter that God is biased towards growth. He actually wants, he, he does save us, he does offer salvation to us, but then he does want us to grow too. He actually wants us to get involved in, in maturing spiritually. And one of my favorite verses from this, from this letter is uh, chapter 128. It says, we proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So there really is, there is this, this goal that Paul had, really that God, this God is biased towards us growing and deepening our roots and getting stronger in our faith and in, as we walk with Christ. So, so what we're going to look at today is really how do, we, how do we live that out? How do we work that out? And so one of the fun things about Colossians is it, it kind of helps us to start seeing life differently. And sometimes you see movies where there's a character who has this big revelation, all of a sudden they, every, they see everything. The scenery is different, everything's changed, they have a different way of looking at life. So I have one video clip that kind of illustrates this idea of all of a sudden I'm, I'm in the same city, but now I see life differently. So check this out. All right, so that's the movie Free Guy, and he gets these glasses. Actually, he's, in, he's like in a video game. So he sees, he sees things that other people can't see now. And uh, that last thing he says, he's like, I feel brand new. <laughs> and uh, so th- the reason I like this is because when, when we become a Christian, you know, we're, we're, fortunately we're in something a lot better than just a video game. <laughs> the Christian life is far better, but we have, we have a very different perspective on life. And kind of like in that video, all of a sudden, there's resources available to us that we didn't have before. We get God connects us to, to spiritual growth resources. And in, in this video, he puts on glasses, and that's the big thing that changes. For, in, for Christians, it's when we first put our faith in Christ, all of a sudden, we can see life differently. There's so much more to it. There's more color. There's more that we understand about how life works. And that's kind of what Paul's getting at a little bit is, we, need to, we actually need to change our focus and change how we're seeing the, this life that we're living. So let's look at um, the first verse in chapter 3. And uh, he, says, he says this, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So basically the big, the big transformation, the, like the putting on the glasses moment is, when we put our faith in Christ and he says, that's, first we, we died with him, our spirit, we died our old way of living, and now we're raised to this new life. Because of that, 
He says, and, and that, that being raised to new life, in the Greek, it's uh, that verb to be raised, it's in the aorist verb tense, um, something that has already happened in the past. That us, us dying and being raised to new life, that's something that has been completed and is done. It's, we are already raised, those, who follow, those of us who follow Christ. And then he says, because of that, seek things where Christ is. Jesus is in, is in a very highly exalted position of honor, and majesty, and authority. And so when he says, set, set your minds up there where he is. It's that, that, that word to set your minds means to, to concentrate and to focus. Really, to just direct our attention and our energy and our, our thoughts towards that. And we do that, we direct our focus towards heaven, not towards all the stuff around here, all earth and kingdom, and the things that normally people preoccupy themselves with. Uh, normally we get focused on our aspirations and our desires and things that we can have here on earth, but how do, how do we make this shift where we're really focusing our attention where he is and not here? In order to seek those things, we have to set our minds on things above. We're really challenged by Paul here to consider where, where do you give your time and your focus and your attention? What consumes your thoughts? What does your mind just keep going back to over and over again or the things that you're aiming for? And oftentimes it's just things on earth. It's things or it's desires, things that we want. And a lot of times we have, a lot, we have choice over that, over what we set our minds on. So how do, how do we seek the things that are on God's heart? How do we seek the things that is on his agenda? We have, to set, we have to set our minds there and choose to concentrate on that. In many ways, you could even predict where your life is headed by the kinds of things that you're focused on, the things you concentrate on, where you set your mind and your focus and your attention. So this is, really, this is actually a really hard shift to make if you think about it, for us to stop thinking about the things we used to spend all of our time thinking about and really focus our attention elsewhere is really hard. Verse 3, he says, For you died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So if you're like me, you have things in your life that are not all that honorable. I've got struggles with sins and failures. I do and say things that cause damage and problems. And this verse that we just read brings me tremendous hope and gratitude to know that says, for you died. For, for me to know that I have died, and really I've died to my old way of living, my old, the attachment and bondage I have to my sin, to know that that's happened, and to know that now my life, my true life, my eternal life is hidden in Christ, is incredibly, it's a thing of great gratitude for me, to know that it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm somewhere between, I'm, you know, I died, and I will be glorified with him, and until I get there, my life is hidden in him. To know that brings me great hope, uh, that there's going to be glory to come. And if you follow Jesus Christ, and you decided to make him your Lord, then you died also, in a spiritual sense. And so your life, your life here, in the here and now, in the physical world, it has, you know, you've died to stop seeking and setting our minds on things, being pawing after things here on earth. There's so much more than what's on the earth, this temporary, st temporary state we have in. So here, here's a key thought from this first part of Colossians 3. It says, our new identity as followers of Jesus, it changes the way that we see and live. 
knowing that Christ is our Lord, we've died and our, our life is hidden in him, it really changes how we look at things. It's kind of like another way to illustrate this idea is if going from black and white to color, and this is, this is illustrated in the movie sometimes as well, there's a spiritual shift that happens immediately for those who receive Christ and really grasp the spiritual realities. So here's, here's another movie example of seeing life in a different way. So check out this one. This one's much older. <laughs> Does anybody know what movie this is? <laughs> Cinema's come a long way. <laughs> Everything goes from black and white to color. That familiar soundtrack plays. You can cut it there. This is the scene where she says, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I actually had a Karen Terrier as a, as a kid, a dog that looked just like Toto. So, Dorothy realizes in this, in this clip, she's no longer seeing life the way that she once was. The world is not the same. And uh, there we go. We can wait for it to finish. There it is. That completes it. <clears throat> so there, there's like, in, the, in these movies, it's like we see differently. Things have changed. We're in this different reality now. And in our case, God begins to do an overhaul and help us separate from our old way of living, our old defaults on earth. And so there's this list that honestly, at times, is hard to read through because it's easy to, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for me to identify myself in this list at times. And uh, there's some old defaults. There's some old black and white ways of living. There's some old ways that need to be discarded. So look at, look at what he says in verse 5. He says, therefore, put to death. Now, everything up to this point, by the way, is all about what Jesus has accomplished for us. So Jesus saved us in a way that we could not save ourselves. Jesus changed our entire life, our, our, our eternal direction. But now there's this shift where we're challenged to actually put some things into practice. He says, therefore, put to death. Now, that's some pretty strong language. Put, if you, if you put, I don't know if you have ever put anything to death. 
but the, even just the thought of putting anything to death is actually, you know, that sounds very uncomfortable. Put to death. And so actually what, what he's about to say, we need to lethally exterminate. We become executioners in, our, in some areas of our life. He says, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. This includes sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is any illicit sexual behavior, anything out of the bounds of marriage, anything involving sex outside of marriage, um, pornography, masturbation, just any, anything that's separate from sexual union with a, between a husband and wife that are married to each other. So that's, that's a big category. He also says, put to death impurity. So this is just anything that's unclean or dirty. There's just dirty things we get into, or dirty things that we think about that needs to be killed. It also says lust, evil desire, any kind of desire that's out of bounds, and greed. And greed is, sometimes you think of like Scrooge McDuck, but greed is just anytime we, ha- we have some, but we want more. Actually, I want more. I want, I want more to eat, more to buy, more of this. More. I want to add to the collection, just keep building. And there's lots of ways that greed seeps in for all of us. And he says this is idolatry. He says because of these, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. God's wrath is on the way, and it is coming because of these types of things. And, one, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them, Paul says. Oh, man, we, live, we lived in these things. We do, and sometimes we go back to these things. He says, but now put away all the following. So, here's, so the first category is things to put to death, which, by the way, these things are to be exterminated, not regulated. Sometimes you're like, I'll regulate this, I'll like minimize it, or I'll moderate it. No, 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 no. There's, no there's no moderating or regulating. There is only extermination for these things. And then he says, put away. Here's another category. Put away all of the following. And the, again, here's just another list we can find ourselves in. Put away anger. You ever get angry? Angry, anger is when you have this like, oh, like, you know, like irritation at somebody, and then it gets, you get frustrated, and then you start stewing about it. You're like kind of smoldering underneath, like, oh, man, I'm angry at that person. The next thing that he says to put away is wrath. So wrath is when you, anger turns into an outburst or rage of some kind. It's the word thumos in the Greek. Um, sometimes we just, ah, so angry, outburst. We do that. It says also put away malice. This is when we have ill will towards someone. Like, I, you know, I'm fine if, if things don't pan out well for them. Actually, I'd prefer if things would get damaged in their life. That's malice. Slander is when we defame someone's character. We just say some things that injure their reputation. Like, oh, you know, I talk about somebody, and then all of a sudden, their reputation gets hit because of what we say is slander. And filthy language from your mouth. Filthy language is just anything that just is inappropriate and shouldn't be there. And there's, there's levels of this. And actually, I, I did want to, I, I wanted to acknowledge this one because last week I was telling a story about the truck in the trailer. And in addition to um, get, you know, hitting one of the parking structures here, I, we also had a big problem with needing the tires to get replaced. And one of them had blown. And uh, I was talking, to, I was telling a story about the tire repairman guy. And um, he had, he said, he told me that the tires were really old, but he used the, the F word to explain how old the tires were. <laughs> and when I was telling the story last week, I used a, a word that started with F that sounded like 
that, but it wasn't that. So, it, but I actually felt afterwards that it was un, an unnecessary. Um, it, 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 I didn't need to add that to the story, and it felt after I actually felt uncomfortable like the rest of the next couple of days because of talking that way in front of a group. And so, to me, I I think when it comes to filthy language, I think there's perhaps levels and grades. And what I said last week was maybe lower than what there can be, but it seemed to me the Lord was convicting me that it was inappropriate and not fitting, actually not just not pleasing to the Lord. So I actually wanted to ask you guys, if you were here and you heard that, would you forgive me for using that word last week? Would you guys forgive me? Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry for using filthy language last week. So there's, there's these things that we get into. And then he says in verse 9, do not lie to one another. Lie, I, you're, you're probably, you guys are all good people, so you probably don't just boldface lie to people, I would guess. But when it comes to lying, there's just, there's ways, there's just ways we kind of try to get around things, or we don't really want people to know the full truth, or I'll just kind of pretend, or distance, or, or just don't really want people to know what I'm thinking. Make sure that they don't really find that out. It's not a lie, per se, is what we say, but there's just lots of ways that we allow untruth to to go on. And he says, don't do that. <laughs> You've got to put this away. And uh, so there's all these things. There's this, all this old self stuff. So there's things we'll put to death, and there's these things that we put away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. And as he says, without Jesus Christ, this is how we relate to each other. This makes up, in fact, you may have relationships with family members where this is what they do or this is how family life operates or spouses operate this way at times with anger wrath outbursts or lying or just sort of manipulating or not telling the truth about things we we operate these way with people that maybe we once loved and now we don't or, or we don't we're not really sure where the relationship is at I don't know if you've ever done any of these things on either of these lists, the put-to-death things or the put-away things. I don't know if you've ever done any of these. But what Paul is saying here, what God is telling us, is to put off this old default way of living. We're to put it off. And the reason I talked about clothing at the very beginning is this word put off, in the Greek, it, it, actually, it actually means to, to disarm or disrobe or to strip off. Like, you've got... Like imagine you were, you were working out and your clothes just are you know, super stinky and you're like, I need to, ugh, I, gotta get the, I gotta get this stuff off me right now. That's, that's kind of what this idea is. Like strip off the old, dirty, ragged, nasty stuff that should not be on you. Get it off. Imagine going through your closet. I don't know if you've got old clothes that just shouldn't be there anymore. I think guys probably have a tendency to do that more than the ladies, I'm guessing. The clothes that, you know, I've got, I've got some old t-shirts. I've got socks with holes in them that the holes aren't that big, so, you know, they're still good. Or I've got, you know, undergarments that just really, you know, they, they're stretched beyond repair. There's, there's, there's clothing that needs to go, but for some reason I just hang on to old clothes. Things with stains on it, you know. Or sometimes, like, my kids, sometimes they, they wear clothing that should have been thrown in the washer days ago. <laughs> I'm like, why is that still on you? And then sometimes, you know, I too, I'll, these hot summers in Santa Clarita, you just get real stinky when you're working outside. And sometimes there's just not enough cologne or perfume in the world to cover up the stink that you get on your clothes. So this, that's, that's the imagery here. 
just the old, stained, stinky, ripped, disgusting clothing needs to come off. It cannot be on us anymore. That, that is what's being talked about with all of these old ways. It's our old earthly nature. You can't regulate these areas. You can't freshen them up. You can't make these things look better or smell better. These things need to be exterminated from our lives. We can't give any room to this anymore. It's kind of like getting rid of the old clothes. And if you're like me, though, some of these old ways are, they're hard to strip off. Some of these old things are hard to get rid of. It's hard to run for some of the temptations that these things pose to us and some of those urges, and some of those desires, and some of those reactions that we have. It's really, really hard. So you can't just eliminate old ways without replacing with new behavior. You can't just kick it all to the curb unless you replace it with something. It's like, so it's like you need to go shopping. <laughs> you need to get a whole new wardrobe for the Christian life. You need to, you see life differently, you're focusing your mind in different ways, and now we need to put on different things. So in verse 10, he uses this word, we have put on the new self. It's like going from black and white to color. Life is different for us now. The way we used to do things, it cannot be that way anymore. The old clothes are gone. He says, you're being, in verse 10, you're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the Creator. Verse 11, he says, in Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. He's basically saying right here, now, you, if you follow Jesus, if he is your Lord, you've been dropped into a new family. You're a part of a brand new community of people. All the old distinctions that used to divide people, they're, they're still visible, but they no longer have the same significance because of who unites us now. Verse 12, therefore, as God's holy, chosen ones holy and dearly loved, put on. So we talked about put off. Now, put on is this word here. And in the Greek, it literally means to clothe yourself. So to put on these clothes, to dress, you dress, your, you dress yourself in the morning. When you got up, you probably had pajamas on and you put clothing on. It's the very same word that he's using here. You, you, these are things that we put on. One of them is compassion. That's the first thing we put on, compassion. And if you ever, if you, by the way, if you deal with anger, you know, if we were talking about that a few minutes ago, and you thought, oh yeah, I do actually, I do get angry at people. This is a very, very important first step. Compassion is when we decide, like he says, we put on a heartfelt sympathy for people. And I'm just going to decide, that person I'm mad at, I'm just going to decide to see things from their perspective right now. And I don't really want to, but I'm just going to choose to look at things from their view. I'm going to have compassion for their situation. What's stirring them up right now? And whenever you, whenever you put things on, these things that we're going to talk about, you, most of the time you probably won't really feel like it. It's not like the Christian life goes from black and white to color and you just can't help it. Everything's just so bright and vibrant all the time. No, we actually put it on. So when you change your clothes, you have to, you have to when you walk out the door, you, you, you make a conscious decision not to go out with no clothing on. <laughs> you have decided to put clothes on. So this, in the same way, he's saying, you, you, no, you decide to put on compassion. Also, put on kindness. So I'm, I'm just going to decide I'm going to be that person that I may be angry at or have those wrong or evil desires for. I'm, I'm going to be helpful for their good. 
Kindness means I'm just going to, I'm going to help them with their goal. We put on humility. This is where I decide I'm going to lower my view of myself. I'm going to see myself in the proper light. I'm not going to exalt myself when I'm in that group of people. I'm going to take a lower position. Gentleness. We put on gentleness. This is, gentleness is strength and power under control. You might be a very strong and large personality type of person. Gentleness is when that's harnessed and it's under control. Patience is another thing we put on. This is when we bear injustice and we decide, I'll, I'll, I'll let them injure me and I'm not going to get revenge. I'll bear with it. And as he says in verse 13, bear with one another and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against one another. So I may feel offended, and my offense may be really big, or it might be kind of small. It may be a legitimate thing, or maybe it's illegitimate, I'm seeing it wrong. It doesn't really matter if it's big or small or legitimate or not. It doesn't matter. We decide to bear with people. I'll bear with them. And actually not just bearing with, but forgiving. That thing that I'm so mad about and offended by, I'll, I will forgive. And here's how. He says, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Christ's example to us and forgiveness of us is our motivation and ability to do that. And above all, put on love. Clothe yourself in the morning, every day, every situation with love. This is the most important article of clothing that you wear. It's agape love. This is the sacrificial love based on what people need, not what I get out of it, not what I think people deserve. It's this kind of love that we're supposed to put on almost always calls for sacrifice. What does, if you're married, what does your spouse need? Not what does he or she deserve right now in the moment. What, no, what do they need? What do my kids need? What do my friends need? What's, what's right before God and how I respond to this person? We, all, we usually look first to our wants and our needs, but Christ calls us to change, to shift from selfishness and put others' needs ahead of ourselves. That's what Jesus did when he went on the cross for us. So he says, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. If you're in if you're in an impossible relationship, it's just unsolvable. If you're in an impossible marriage, don't know how to see your way through that, or a relationship of any kind, it's never hopeless. The relationship is never hopeless because there are instructions that God gives us here for all of us to find a perfect bond of unity. There is a path forward. For all humans in history, this kind of relating is accessible. God makes it accessible to us. So love like that binds us to people in our community. It strengthens us in the church. And this is, what, this is the kind of environment, all these things, this is the kind of environment that we're trying to create here. In verse 15, he says, Let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's really hard to be angry at people. It's really hard to be driven by lust or these other evil desires when you're singing gratefully to God. <laughs> if you've got a song of gratitude and you have set your mind where Christ is, it's really hard to walk in those old ways that are so filthy. 
This verse brings to mind when it talks about these songs. It kind of reminds me of when we gather to worship together or when there's one-on-one encouragement that we have with each other or small groups where we're spending time to love, care for each other, listen to one another, pray for each other. Verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, to capture this part of the chapter is we need to daily put on a whole new way of living and relating. We put it on. We're challenged to start dressing the part. So you get, you know, sometimes you get real focused on the styles and the trends and keeping up and getting the wardrobe that's, you know, in style. This is a much more important wardrobe. This is the style that we're supposed to put on and go after and invest our resources into. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and love. Imagine, if you're married, imagine the atmosphere of your home if this is describing it. Imagine relationship with your kids if, if this is it. You know, kindness, humility, compassion, bearing with. Imagine some family members or some extended family or gatherings. Imagine a church family where this is what dominates. And this is, the, this is what you feel when you're a part of that group. That's what God intends for us. That's, that's the whole new way. God's clothing, God's style, never goes out of style. <laughs> it's always in style. And sometimes you put on God's clothing, and you're like, oh, it doesn't fit right, or I don't look that good in it, or I, you know, I feel like I've got to return this. I, no. You know what? It will. It will fit. You'll get it. You'll grow into it. Just put it on. Keep wearing these things, even if it feels uncomfortable. And sometimes this stuff does feel uncomfortable. Put it on. You go into that situation, or you're about to have that conversation, or you're about to relate to that person, put on these clothes. You decide to put this on. It's, it's really easy to grab the old clothes. And you just grab them off the shelf, and it's just so easy. Oop, put, put, the, put that old nasty coat on again. Man, why do, it's so easy to do that. It's so... You know, it's, it's kind of comfortable. Those old clothes are very familiar and comfortable. Really, a major threat to your maturity is those old ways still call to us. We have died to our old way of living, but those old ways, they still call to us. Through, and, and they do it through our own desires, but also through the media and through music and old songs and movies and stuff we can get into. We have to really be careful about what we're consuming and what we're surrounding ourselves when Paul says to set our minds where Christ is, I think that like blocks out a whole lot of stuff that we spend our time consuming that we probably shouldn't consume. It just brings our mind back down to earthly stuff. And then it just makes it really hard to get away from the stuff we're supposed to kill. So finally, Paul applies these new ways of living specifically to some relationships. Um, and so these are, imagine wearing these new what we would call them God's clothing or kingdom clothes. In, in the kingdom of God, this is the clothing that we wear. Imagine wearing all these clothes in these types of relationships. Verse 18, talking about marriage. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters and everything. Don't work only while being watched. Actually, this, this next part, this is a great 
not just for slaves, but any of us who work, who have bosses or those in authority over us. It says, don't work only while being watched. Sometimes when you're being watched, you, walk, you work differently. <laughs> and, then, and then when the boss is gone or when the boss shows up, you're like, oh, yeah, get back to work. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. The last few verses of this section, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has, he has done, and there is no favoritism. And masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. So we've captured some of the content from chapter 3 of Colossians. We've read through this together. We just actually read through the whole chapter and then one verse of chapter 4. But here's, to sum it up, look to the Lord constantly as you put on this new behavior. Look to Jesus. That's really what he's saying here at the end of Colossians 3 is Jesus is our Lord and our Master. It's him that we want to please as, as we relate in marriage, in the family, in the workplace. So maybe jot down some notes or applications that you have before you head out the door, you think, you know, you're going to, actually went to um, a celebration of life yesterday, uh, a really meaningful uh, service for someone in our church, and I was like, I don't know what to wear. Like, sometimes I don't want to be overdressed, I don't want to be underdressed, and it turned out it was, they, they, had, like, they had a very casual theme, and so it was like, actually, t-shirts and sneakers. So, but like, this is a, it's an important question. I went to, <laughs> I've been to funerals where I was underdressed, and I'm like, that's not good either, so I, I want to be right for the occasion. And then, so in a similar way, it's like, before, before I go into this conversation or before I step into this group of people, what, what, what should I wear? What, what's my occasion? What, what should I put on for this right now? The world's styles and fashions are always moving and changing. God's ways don't go out of style. You try in his clothes, and it truly changes who you are. And you're able with his power to play the roles that he's assigned us to play. So here's some questions for you to think through. What clothes have you been wearing? You know, these spiritual clothes. If you look through this verse or this chapter, what clothes have you been wearing? And how do they compare with kingdom clothes? The kingdom of God. Think back this week. What clothes were you wearing when you spoke with different people? Um, if you have Jesus Christ in you, you have made him the Lord and boss of your life. It means you have complete freedom. And you're right with God. And God sent you a new wardrobe to try on as you prepare for the next life. So next step, um, identify one thing to put off. Maybe there's something you need to kill and exterminate. Maybe there's something you just need to take off. You can, you can jot that down. Get real specific, actually, if you can. Then identify one area this week to focus on something I need to put on. I need to, I need to somehow remind myself through the word to keep putting this on. And if you write something down, maybe, maybe share it with a friend. Start praying. Look for opportunities. If you pray about this, God will send you opportunities to put on his clothing in this situation. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And the things we talk about today do represent some ongoing battle that we have with our old nature and our old way of seeing things and just being so drawn to focus on the things here on earth. But would you help us, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit to put on your kingdom clothes? to put on compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness, forgiving, bearing with one another. I pray that this would characterize our relationships at home and it would characterize our relationships here at church. 
And would you allow us, Lord, as we continue to advance in this area, would you allow us to meet and draw many more people to Christ and allow them to experience life in the kingdom and life that's submitted to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.